0: Hey everybody. This is Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor. Today I have one of my personal friends on. Her name is Stacy Griffith, and I met Stacy going on 3, maybe 4 years ago. We were at a party together. We were both being honored by Miss Ariana just, Huffington. No. What?
1: I was going to say, it was not just a party. This was like a big deal for us. meet needed that.
0: That's true. We were both being honored. We were on the, uh, what was it? The fuel list, I think, was, was that party, right? So yeah. I didn't know Stacy from Adam's house cat and she comes running up to me and she's like, dude, I want to work with you. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm stoked. Let's, let's go it's high energy, lots of fun. We've been fast friends ever since. And just to let you know, if you hang out with Stacy long enough, she says, you got to come do my class. Yep. She is the master soul cycle trainer. And by the way, her classes book out literally immediately. She had to get me a special spot just so that I can hang out and she put me over in the Corner with all of the people who have no freaking idea what they're doing.
1: Just where I could keep my eye on you. That was the point of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, See properly
0: and, and well, and and so that's actually one of her trademarks. Many people don't know this: is she's not the person who sits on the podium. In many cases, she actually brings one of her um, one of her followers up onto the podium. And she's walking around the room. She's making sure your form is good. She's getting you psyched. She's getting you pumped. Oh, and by the way, there's disco music going on like crazy. There's lights flashing everywhere. It's like a freaking party on a bike. Um, oh. and that's you, right? You're like a party on a bike. So I want to introduce to everybody, my dear, dear friend and co-author of my new book. That's going to be coming up. We're co-authoring it together. It's going to be awesome. Miss Stacy Griffith. Welcome, Stacy.
1: Oh, that was such a lovely intro. Thank you, Michael. You're so. Welcome. I always love spending time with you. I hate that you're on the West coast, but I also love it because, you know, We need that. We need a bi-coastal energy, and you know, I'm always three hours ahead of you, and I also get up at five, and you go to sleep. (laughs) It's like we're always crossing. So whenever we can like land on the same page together, it's always so nice. So I'm, I'm happy to be
0: here. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. You know, uh, some of my folks who are listeners may or may not know a little bit about you. I was wondering, could you give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of background on who Stacey Griffith is? And by the way, if anybody out there really wants to go deep on her background, her book Two Turns From Zero, which I have right here. Look at this girl. Oh,
1: the hair. I got to bring the flip back. I
0: know the hair was amazing. I love it. You want That's to know what's funny hair. about
1: I wish I, I had to your tell hair. You about, not not to be narcissistic here, but that I used to spend so much money trying to get my hair color like that, and when COVID hit, uh, this is my natural hair color.
0: It looks like, beautiful.
1: It's my real gray silver. I love it. Hair. Who knew look it was awesome. under that the entire time? Right. But anyway, um, you know, now that you yeah to know me over the years, I, I hate talking about myself. It's like, it's my my biggest pet peeve about uh, just this this career. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, tell me about it. Tell me what you've done. Tell me. And I've done so much and I've, I've you know, opened so many studios and I've created this brand and I toured with Oprah and, you know, I've changed a lot of lives, like a lot of stuff. But the most important thing is that it, throughout the last three decades of doing what I do for me, the most important thing is the amount of lives that I've impacted the amount of motivation that i've injected into people getting people to feel better about themselves um you know continuing continuing that um passion for what i do and that's really all i have to say about myself really well that's that great am, 52 years old i'll be 53 in april you know our bur- you know we I'm were
0: born the same year
1: i know it's just so cool i'm
0: february i think you're april right
1: yes yes
0: you're an aries maybe
1: Aries. I know seven, I'm an yeah.
0: Aquarius. That's why we get along. It is. I think it
1: is. And, and you know, so that, that's, that's really the bottom line. I just, I love what I do. I have so much passion for it. And it never, ever, every time I put the microphone on my head, it's like the first time it's just, you know, I'm so blessed that I found, uh, my passion to be my career as, as you did, you know, it's like, it never feels like I'm going to work even though I do have to run here pretty soon to go teach my third class. Today. <laughs> no problem.
0: No problem. Um, so in your book, two turns from zero, one of the things that was very prominent to me that, that made a lot of sense to me, is you said, that exercise saved you. Yeah. From a history and a past and things like that. Can you expand just a little bit on that? Cause then the next question I'm going to ask you is about sleep.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it, back in the nineties when, you know, a lot of us were partying hard in the nineties, we, I, my friends and I call it surviving the nineties. Um, uh, I, unlike everyone else had a job where I had to actually physically show up to 80 to a hundred people every morning. So it wasn't like I could phone it in and work from home type of thing. So I had a very bizarre connection to, you know, my, my responsibility, but I also had a connection to partying. So it was kind of like a weird, you know, I'd always be like four in the morning, you guys, can I just go sleep in the back bedroom there for two hours because I have to teach at seven. Um, so honestly, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the accountability of having to show up to exercise, to teach exercise, I would be dead. I I know for a fact, I would be dead because if I didn't have that, um, I, I don't think I would have survived, you know, the drug abuse and the, you know, complete lack of regard for my health Um, So, you know, that's why I like helping a lot of sober, clean people now because, you know, not that it's replacing one addiction for another, which also can not be healthy, but the levels of serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine and adrenaline, all those things um, that save you when you're trying to find balance in your life with whatever that may be, uh, the only way you can get the highest level of doses is through exercise, so, and I think that's why I stay in this bin doctor role, uh, without the MD in front, um, because it just is such magic, you know, it's such a, it's such a magical thing what we have. So
0: what do you think it is about movement? You know, I've, cause since I've met you, I've changed a lot of my movement. Now I actually make a point of moving every day for multiple minutes a day, a minimum of 20 to 25 minutes of moving my body. Right. And you've taught me a lot about movement. What do you think about how does how does movement affect an individual? And then how does movement affect a group? Because you've kind of you kind of affect people in both ways.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's such a case by case basis because every person is going through something, whether it's failure, success, grieving, losing a loved one, uh, getting a divorce, having a miscarriage. Like there's always something happening in someone's life. And, you know, with each person, it's almost the perfect storm, right? When I meet someone. Cause you and me both. They'll, 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 right. They'll be like, you don't realize what happened today. You played this song and it used to make me sad, but it made me empowered And what you said. And, da, da, da. and it's the flint that lights the fire. And it was just a tiny little spark. Like if you think about how these giant fires start from this tiny little spark, that's what happened to you. Right. You know, you were in a little bit of a, a fitness rut.
0: Oh, totally. I was and in a life funk.
1: <laughs> and your, your life transitions were, your, it was like you were just this orb, right? And you're, all these pieces were like coming out. But when you came to New York and we grounded, we decided to write a book together. You trained. You like got in touch with your body. You know, you had your black hat on. You had your black outfit on. You were, <laughs> like, you were like. I was a badass. You were ready to transform. We were ready, so I think
0: I was, and you know what, I, and and I think that's what happens. I think you notice that in people. It's interesting because you and I actually have very similar jobs. I don't know if you realize it, but people show up on my doorstep.
1: That's why we're writing a book, and that's why I tackled you in the middle of a <laughs> party because <laughs> we are bookends yep. to the most important two most important things in a person's a human being. Well, three. The middle part is nutrition, but fitness nutrition and sleep. Absolutely. Like that, that is the, those are like the three pillars of of what we're about to show everybody how to do that. Knock so. it
0: out. So I, here's what's interesting for me is you came up with this term called AOA, right? Adult onset athleticism. I think right. that's what it was. Right. And, and that's really, I was never an athlete. Like, I was never an athlete. I mean, you talk about in your book, you know, you came out of the womb swimming a tennis racket, right? You know, like I came out of the womb falling over my feet. You know, it's like, I couldn't have been less um, athletic if I absolutely tried. And you really talk about how but it's
1: your brain, your brain gears, mine were not, not, not for, not for books. Right. right. So you had a different skill than I did. Absolutely. aoa That's how AOA was born because those bookworms that completely focused on learning, they ignored the fitness part and it's never too late for that.
0: That's what I love is that you and I are the same age and you're like, let's go get on the freaking bike, Michael, go outside, do something. Right. And it's like, it never stops. You're, I, I remember I said to you last time I saw you, I said, oh, I don't want to give you a hug because I'm all sweaty. And your response to me was I live in sweat. Yeah, I sweat love that. is my life. Yeah, sweat is my life. I live in sweat. And you know what? That level that of pre-COVID though. <laughs> yeah, pre-COVID for sure, for sure.
1: covid language.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of COVID, how has that impacted you in terms of not only your sleep, but also your levels of activity? Are you still able to teach classes and get people motivated?
1: I mean, I was uh, restricted for four months. I didn't teach for four months. Wow which was really, really for the first time, you know, in 20 something years, I didn't have to show up to work, Mm -hmm. you know, every day and, and move.
0: How Uh, was that for you?
1: It was, well, it was weird, but I wanted to make sure a lot of us went to a dark place. Mm -hmm. So I decided to partner with a company called Honeycomb Fit and I created in-home free content for people. First, I started every hour on the hour with Jumpy Jacks. Yep. Then from nine to five. Then I did um, yeah, 10 minutes. Then I did 20 minutes three times a day, Monday through Friday. And then it became like a really hard thing to actually do. It was in great shape. But it was, very, it was a very long day because it was like 9, noon, and 4. It was just like all day long fitness. And then in the breaks, it was just like I was getting ready for the next time slot. But that being said, it kept me moving. It kept my serotonin levels up. I didn't gain any weight. I stayed fresh in my teaching because I was teaching to camera. Uh, So I was ready when we came out of, you know, COVID restrictions and we opened the tents. Um, But it's been really hard. It was really hard just not to see people and touch people and, you know, ask people how they were and see the accountability with a lot of people I knew who were struggling like right before. So, you know, it feels good to be back because we're open and we're just, you know, we're doing tents now. Yeah, there's
0: actually tents here in um, Manhattan Beach. There's a soul cycle. There's actually several soul cycles here, and they have tents out and they got everybody out there. It's pretty awesome. So, how has your sleep been affected over the years? Because I know back in the day, as you said, if you got two hours of sleep, that was a freaking miracle. How has that changed as you've gotten older?
1: Right. So, well, the sleep before, remember you helped me with this, was uh, relationship driven, right? So like we're going to say, tell in our book or explain in our book that it's very important that you and your partner hundred percent are compatible in sleep, because if you're not, it's a very dangerous, slippery slope to be in. So in my new relationship, it is so such fire. Like we are out of dinner parties by 730. We're home by 830. We're asleep by nine. It's, we're up at five. It's, and, and I mean, I'm a 5 a.m. clubber. I never imagined I could ever be that. And I just wake up like naturally. I don't even need an alarm anymore.
0: Yeah. You following your chronotype now, right? So you're an early chronotype. You're the lion. I'm the night owl, the wolf, which is another reason why it's so difficult for us on different coasts because I'm up late and you're up early and you'd think we would pass in the middle of the night. Unfortunately, we don't get a chance to.
1: I know. if I got up at four, I could probably catch you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you probably could actually, but I don't want you getting up at four. So I have a couple of more questions for you. Um, one of the things that I know is you talk about your finding your ultimate center, because one of the things that I want people to realize is you're not a fitness instructor. You're a life coach that happens to have me on a bike is that's really how I kind of feel about you. How do you help people find that center and, and learn through movement as, as all the amazing things that you do.
1: You know, I mean, I wish I could proclaim as being a life coach. I, I think I reserve that for people who actually take the time and go to school for it and don't do a weekend um, certification online and think they can be certified life coach, was, which to me is very annoying. Yeah. Um, I think part of becoming a life coach is years, decades of experience working with human beings and, you know, from being a personal trainer for 20 years and you know teaching to about th- 10,000 people a year when you take time to interact with people and you hear I've heard every excuse I've heard every tragedy I've heard every medical condition I've seen it all like I've literally seen everything and from seeing the successes of each person the failures of each person and seeing what has worked in not, not necessarily a prescription. I just make suggestions for people. I don't prescribe anything. I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to be a guru. I just want people to hit the ball out of the park. You know what I'm saying? Like I I don't want to do the tie. I want to go for the win. So I just give you a playbook with movement and musical choices that inspire you and don't bring you down to below the happy curve you know, I like to play some sad music, but I don't like to bring you like so deeply down that you're just like tragically in your bars. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Because there's that out there. Um, and I just think after 30 years, like I I know what I'm
0: doing, seeing. Yeah. Yeah. You're a pro. You're an expert. That's why you're on my show. Thank you. I only have the experts (laughs) on the show. That's
1: why we're writing a book together.
0: That's right, girl. That's right. We're going to have some fun too. I can't thank you enough for being on my show today. You are a super big inspiration for me in many ways that you don't even know. Um, But I'm very excited to be working with you and we're working on a book together. So that's going to be incredible and fun. And we're going to let everybody who's listening to the podcast know about that. But if people want to find out some more information about you, some of the cool, fun things that you're doing these days, where do they go to find it out?
1: Yeah, I mean, my Instagram is pretty much I'm not on it all all that much. And, you know, my website is kind of stagnant. I'm just I'm in the like in the sidelines waiting to strike after this whole COVID thing releases and our book comes out. I'm going to go back into the front line. I'm not, I'm not a splashy, you know, website on TV all the time. I just, it's not me, Yep. It's but not. it will be me when we, when we launch our book because the book is so profound and it has never been, there's nothing ever been written like this before. This is a life playbook that yep. is completely different than anybody's ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's totally different. Nobody's ever done anything like it. We're super excited about it and we're having a lot of fun doing it together, too. So that's the best part. Yes, they are. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Stacey. You are an amazing human. We love you to death and we can't thank you enough for your time today. We may end up doing that part two. I'll let you know. Um, And we'll let our listeners know as well. Let's do it. Thanks. So now we're on to the mailbag. This is the part of the show where I'm answering questions from people from literally all over the world uh, about their sleep. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from them. So our first question today comes from Donnie from Boston, and he asks, how close to bedtime can I drink alcohol? How much and what type? So it turns out this is an incredibly popular question, and we've done a little bit of research on this. So first of all, remember alcohol basically destroys stage three, four sleep, which is that physical restoration. So if you're waking up feeling unrested, alcohol is a high likelihood to blame because it knocks out that particular stage of sleep. We know that the average human body can digest one alcoholic beverage in one hour. So if you drink one alcoholic beverage, you should drink one glass of water and wait one hour before it lights out. Two alcoholic beverages, two glasses of water, two hours. Once you get to three alcoholic beverages within a three hour period of bedtime, something different has a tendency to happen. Alcohol seems to have a paradoxical effect, giving you energy, not making you feel sleepy. Also, for men, it can form a some levels of aggression. So you really want to keep it curtailed. Remember, there's a really big difference between going to bed and passing out. Um, What type of alcohol? Turns out that clear alcohols uh, have a tendency to have less of an effect on sleep than darker alcohols have a tendency to do. But we're still learning quite a bit about alcohol and sleep, and I'm here to tell you that alcohol absolutely positively affects your sleep unfortunately in a negative way. And yet, alcohol turns out to be the number one sleep aid in the world. Go figure. Our next question is from Trish from Tennessee. And she said, when I started my keto diet, I had problems sleeping. Is that normal? So Trish, I experienced this as well. When I started keto uh, a while back, you kind of got what that thing, I think people called it the keto flu. So this is a sort of a situation where with so much protein on board, we find that we have excessive amounts of energy. And in the beginning, usually the first two to three weeks, it can be difficult to sleep. My recommendation for people who are going through or starting keto, figure out what your chronotype is and then set your bedtime, get up at the same time and go to bed at the same time for the entire three to four weeks of that whole initial keto period. You might not get the best sleep, but it's certainly not going to be too terrible. Finally, we've got a question from Mary Ann from Kentucky, and she says, my husband hates his CPAP and will not wear it. So I don't sleep. Are there any alternatives out there for this thing? <laughs> well, guess what, Marianne? There are a ton of alternatives out there. So while CPAP turns out to be one of the most effective treatments for sleep apnea, there are these things called oral appliances. These are mouth guards, kind of like you'd see football players wear, where there's an upper part and a lower part. And what happens is the lower part is slightly moved forward, which makes your jaw displace forward a little bit. What this does is it opens the airway and acts just like a CPAP machine. So if your husband can handle having something in his mouth, like a mouth guard from football or wrestling or something like that, then this might be a really good option. Also, people should know that there are really good surgical interventions out there for sleep apnea. We used to not be able to say that because the surgeries weren't so great and the tissue would grow back. But we're starting to see quite a few new techniques out there that can be very, very promising. So I wouldn't say that CPAP is the only thing. But if you can get your husband to wear it, you and he will certainly get a better night's rest. Anita from Atlanta and she asks, Dr. Bruce, is it okay to watch TV before bed? (laughs) So I think I'm the only sleep doctor in the universe that says it's okay to watch television before bed. But if you're going to do it, if you could do me a favor and wear some blue light blocking glasses. Um, I feel like watching TV is probably one of the more passive activities that you can do to distract yourself before bed. Um, Many people, I have a hard time though, if they're doing things like on facebook or trying to get their high score on candy crush or something like that that's much more engaging and we really don't like that level of engagement just before bed so watching a little tv look 99 percent of the televisions out there have got timers built into the software set the timer for like two or three hours you know past the time you'd normally fall asleep and don't worry about it as long as it doesn't bother your bed partner you should be okay Our next question is Saul from Brooklyn. And he asks, how would I know if I have restless legs syndrome? So restless legs syndrome is a actual diagnosable situation. This is something that's usually diagnosed by a general practitioner or maybe a neurologist. And so the most primary symptom that we see from people is that they get a creepy crawly feeling in their extremities whenever they're sedentary. So what does that mean? They get kind of a shifty, tingly, I can't stay in my seat very long type of thing when they sit down or when they lie down. This can make it incredibly difficult to fall asleep because it only seems to occur in the evenings and it only seems to occur when people are in a sedentary position. What can you do about it? Well, there are lots of medications out there for it, but one of the things that's been discovered is that in fact, in some cases, about 20 to 30%, it turns out that a special type of iron called ferritin, F-E-R, R-I-T-I-N, if it's below a level of 60 in your blood, it can make your brain think that you have restless legs. So sometimes just a little iron sulfate can be very, very helpful there. For some of my patients, we've used 325 milligrams of iron sulfate once a day and then moving it up to twice a day, but you gotta be careful because it can cause some level of constipation. And finally, we've got Rita from Delaware, and she asks, Dr. Bruce, Earplugs or sound machines? What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, it kind of depends upon the noise source, right? So if you're lying next to a snoring bed partner, well, earplugs might make a little bit better effect for you versus there's a loud noise that's constantly going on outside your apartment window. In that case, maybe a sound machine might work better. Some of it also has to do with personal preference. Uh, many people just don't like having things in their ears. I'm one of them. Um, So I kind of get it sometimes, to be honest with you. I put a pillow over my head. That way (laughs) I don't hear uh, a television that might be going on or a dog that might be snoring. But um, I would say that you can do a whole host of things, but it really depends upon the noise source. If you're going to get earplugs, remember you want them noise level rated at 32 or below. This becomes important because that way you can sleep, uh, not hear noise, but still hear the smoke alarm. thanks so much for listening to the show. If you know anyone you think might have a fascinating sleep story and make for a tremendous guest, please send me an email at drbruce at thesleepdoctor.com. That's D-R-B-R-E-U-S at thesleepdoctor.com. If you want more information, feel free to visit my website, thesleepdoctor.com. I hope you learned something new to help you live better. Until next time, sweet dreams.